good morning. My glasses are fogging up <laughs> from all that praise. Whew. I'm so glad to be here. This, um, I just love being home. <laughs> so um, I'm blessed. So I've been going through a little thing, me and our family. Um, you know, most of you all know. But the Lord, I, I, I try to read through the Bible, and I've been reading through the Old Testament, and um, I'm up to Job. Who loves the book of Job? I, I don't love the book of Job. But the Lord spoke to me from the book of Job. So I'm just going to read the first chapter and then a little bit of the second chapter. And then we'll pray and then we'll go from there. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings for each one of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day, the members of the heavenly court, and I'm going to stop right here. I want you to um, put yourself there. So as I'm reading, think about this scene, because this scene is happening in heaven, okay? And Pastor John is always fond of saying, real time, real space, real people. So this really, the Bible is about real time, real space, real people. So as I'm reading, if you need to close your eyes, close your eyes, put yourself in this scene. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, like that was his job. I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. And the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied, yes, but Job has good reason to fear you. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. And you have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take everything away, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. And we all know that part of the story, right? Everybody, all the sons and daughters died. He lost everything. I'm not going to read all of that because 
We know that. Verse 20, Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Chapter 2. One day again, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves to the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil, and he has maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will give up everything he has to save his life, but you reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to his face, to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes, and his wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? But Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. Heavenly Father, I just pray that um, you would speak through me, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, in Jesus' name. So we find out a lot of things in this chapter, right, about Job. Who was Job? Well, the Bible said he was a God-loving, God-fearing, wealthy man. And yet, despite being all of these things, despite having all of that, God allowed the enemy to destroy everything he had. With no explanation. And he, I, I've read this now, and he didn't really seek an explanation. Hmm. Um, he prayed for his children every day. He was the priest of his home. He sacrificed for them just in case they might have sinned against the Lord. Um, and he did it out of devotion, not out of um, expectation, right? That's Job. What was the enemy's purpose? Plain and simple, the enemy's purpose was to get Job to curse God. And isn't that his purpose with all of us? He wants us to shake our fist at God. But Satan was limited in what he could and could not do. Very often when we're going through stuff, we see Satan as doing all of this stuff to us. But we, we, and we forget, 
that he's limited. He can only go so far, right? Because we serve the God who told the sun where to stand and the ocean where to stop. Satan doesn't have that power. But this is the thing that, that got me. What was God's assessment of Job? What did God say about Job? If we look back at verse um, 8, and then at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, and then chapter 2, verse 3, God said the same thing both times. He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless. He is a man of complete integrity. He fears God, and he stays away from evil. Both times, he said that twice. Um, I find that interesting. And I wonder, in the court of heaven, what are they saying about us? What are they saying about me? Right? Okay, I'll get ahead of myself. So, even though, let's go back, even though Job was a man of faith who loved God with a holy awe and reverence for God, he wasn't safe from the onslaught of the enemy. Even though God loves us and we believe and obey him, we're not exempt from the attacks of the enemy. We're not exempt from accidents. We're not exempt from calamities. We're not exempt from health issues. We're not exempt from all of the things that we suffer through. In this world, you will have trouble. That's what Jesus said. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? How do we respond? Hmm? Do we say, why me, or do we say, use me? I have to confess, in this time that I've been going through, simultaneously, I've said both. I was like, Lord, why? Why? But then, use it. Use it for your glory. Show yourself strong. I, I know... God looks, God's bigger than our why, right? He's bigger than our questions. He's bigger than our, our, our lack of faith sometimes. But these trials, right? It says in James, like, James or, or, and Peter, he talks about our, the testing of our faith, right? Proving us. It's like um, they liken it, it in several places in the word, to going into a kiln and, and being fired and coming out a, a beautiful piece, a beautiful vessel, right? The other thing I noticed is that God, God is fully aware of the enemy's schemes and his tactics. He's not unaware of it. He's not surprised by it. He wasn't even surprised that the enemy was in the court of heaven. Because remember, that was his old stomping ground, right? He wasn't surprised. Satan attacked Job's motives. 
He went before God and he attacked the reason why he served God. So that'd be like God going, God, uh, Satan going before the court of the Lord and saying, I see Ella over there. But she only serves you because you give her nice things. Or she only serves you because she has everything she could ever want. And God says, try. Go ahead and try. But you know, Satan's, Satan shows his hand, right? He can't see into the future the way God can. He doesn't have the ability to know how we're going to respond. He can't get inside, he can get inside our heads and speak thoughts, right? But he can't know our thoughts unless we speak them out, right? So Satan wanted to prove that Job worshiped God because of what God gave him, not because of who God is. If he couldn't, if he could know that Job wasn't a fair weather friend, that made me start thinking, am I? Do I worship the Lord because of what he does or because of who he is? When stuff happens to me because of things that I have no control over, what is my first response? Is my first response like Job's to worship? Or is my first response to curl up in a fetal position on the ground and be like, oh my gosh, why me? Sometimes it takes me a little while to get there. Right? Um, because the enemy tries to convince us in that moment that we're not. We're not the finest person in all the earth. You know you're not. You're not blameless. You're not a man or a woman of complete integrity. You're not a person who fears God and stays away from evil. Look what he did, right? That's what the enemy does. So will I continue to stand even if things don't go the way I want them to? I have to admit, at one point in my life, I didn't stand. I walked away. But God, he's so merciful and he's so kind and he's so loving that he takes us back. And he gives us, a friend of mine wrote a song, a thousand and one more chances to get it right. Right? Um, wrong way. So now, after having had that experience of walking away from the Lord and the Lord bringing me back to him and knowing now what I turned my hearing aid off to then, I, um, I cling more tightly to Jesus than I ever did before. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about the struggles that we have. And um, I said to her, you know, even though, even though this looks awful, even though it's hard, I would never want to go back to where I was. I would never want to 
go back to that darkness. Because in this place, I have hope. In this place, there's light. In this place, I can breathe. In that place, I couldn't breathe. In that place was anxiety. In that place was depression. In that place was, I don't know what I'm going to do. But in this place, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. God may allow us to suffer for reasons that are beyond our understanding. I, I don't get it. Honestly, I don't understand it. But he's never caught off guard by it. And he has compassion and mercy on us. And here's the other thing I saw. Job did not hide his grief or his emotions. He let it all hang out. He tore his robes. He put sackcloth on his head. And, you know, he, he cried out to God. But in all of it, he acted in a right way toward God. He, in all of it, he acknowledged who God was. Right? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will be when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. We know the Lord didn't take it away, but we also know that the Lord allowed it to be taken away. Right? We don't know the why of that. Except that, for Job, Job became an example to us of how to walk through a really severe trial. Right? Because he knew everything that he had, everything that he was, came from God in the first place. Right? This next part, though. Hmm. The conversation in heaven. That blew my mind. So I think in pictures. So I'm picturing this, this heavenly gathering, right? Angels, maybe Abraham, maybe whoever. I don't know who's there. And what are they discussing? Are they discussing Charlie? Isabella? Solomon, are they discussing you? Are they discussing you, Miss Charlotte? Travis? They're having conversations about us in heaven. What? I want to I be a speck on the wall and hear that conversation. Is God saying about me? What is he saying? What is he saying about you? Do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder what God thinks about you? Well, you got a whole book to find what God thinks about you, right? Back then, they were discussing Job, and they were saying in heaven, this guy's blameless. This guy's the finest man on the planet. Hmm. And you know what, though? When I read that, I think God thinks that about every single one of us. 
Charlie, you're the finest man on the planet. Mr. Peter, you are the finest man on the planet. Ms. Naria, you are the finest woman on this planet. Because that's what God thinks about you. Every single one of us, he thinks the exact same thing. As if we are the only one that he's thinking about. Gives me shivers. So I can only imagine what that scene was like. Here's God, confident in how Job is going to behave. And here's Satan trying to big himself up and say all these things about Job. Take it away and see what he does. Take it away, he's going to shake his fist at you. Take it away, he'll curse you to your face. And in all of that, Job did not sin. Job did not sin with his mouth or by blaming God. That's what it says. He did not sin by blaming God. Later on in the book of Job, and we're not going to go all the way through it because that's a lot, (laughs) but, you know, God rebukes Job too for, for like, and, and in it, though, when you think about it, Job didn't ever say, why did you do this to me? You know what Job said? Why was I born? If, if this was going to be my lot in life, why did you let me live? That's what he said. He never said, you did this to me. That blew me away. Right? Because what do we say when we have an accident with our car? Oh, God, why did you let this happen? Right? I went through that. Like Most of the time, I say, God, how are you going to fix this? That's what I say. I don't ask him why he did it. I used to. I don't anymore. I've gotten to the place where I'm like, God, how are you going to fix this? Because I can't see it. But that's what I say now. How are you going to fix this? Because I don't see a way out. Thank God. He's got bigger vision than I do. But I do ask him to let me see what he sees. And let me hear what he hears. So that I can respond the right way. Right? So, back to the conversation. I thought, does God see me that way? I don't know, because I know me, right? We all know ourselves, and I'm like, I don't see me that way. But God does, because when he sees me, how, how does he look at me? He doesn't see me through the lens of my sin, or even my humanity. He sees me, he sees you, through the eyes and the blood of Jesus. Now, when I look back here in Job, didn't have the blood of Jesus back then. All they had was their relationship with God, and he saw Job as this. Blows me away. So, he's saying... 
Look at my servant and put your name in there. So I did that. I said, look at my servant, Deborah. She is the finest woman in all the earth. She is blameless. She is a woman of integrity who fears me and stays away from evil. She has maintained her integrity even with all she's been through. Can you put your name in there? Can you say that about yourself? Nobody wants to toot their own horn, right? And, and, and say that, but that's what the word says. So that's God's word, not, not my words about me, right? And let's talk about fear for a minute. Because we've been talking, I've been going through this a lot. What does fear mean? Are you afraid of who God is? Or is it that God is holy? Right? Job had that sense of awe of who God was. He didn't have a sense of, oh my gosh, if I say this, God's going to strike me dead. Well, if God was going to strike him dead, I think he would have done it already. It's not that. It's that he knew who God was. And isn't it interesting that he lived in a time, like this might have been the first book of of the Bible that was ever written, right? So he lived in a time when There was nobody going around telling people about God. It was just them and God. How did he know? Like, sometimes I think like John, you know? (laughs) Like, how did that happen? How did he know who God was? So that brings me to that verse in Ecclesiastes that says, God put what? Eternity in our hearts. From the very beginning when he created us, He put eternity in our hearts so that we would know him from the very beginning, even if nobody ever said, this is who Jesus is, let me introduce you to Jesus, or let me tell you about God. Even if nobody ever said that, there's something inside of us that looks for that, right? Um... I I don't know about you. I'm not going to go nearly as long as Pastor John does. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I just want to know that all of my life, from the time I came back to the Lord until now, that God is good, right? He is good. And Satan's biggest thing is to get us to think that God is not good. We go through all these things in life. We have, we, there's divorces, there's people betray us. Um, We have accidents. We have illnesses. We go through all of these things. And every single one of them, why do they happen? Well, number one, we live in a fallen world, 
right? But number two, the enemy really wants to get us to turn our backs. So even if he didn't make it, because not everything, we know, right? Not everything is from the enemy, right? But he'll use it to his advantage. So he'll take a situation that he didn't cause, but he'll use it to his advantage, right? And so we don't, we don't have to blame him for everything because that gives him way too much credit. And he loves that. He loves all that attention. So we don't need to give him that attention, but we do need to give our attention to the one who sent his son to take our place so that we could live with him for eternity. I mean, if you're like me, there's been a time or two in your life when you've like been like, I'm done. I'm done with this God thing. I'm going to go my own way and found out that that was a real mess, right? Um, even Peter needed a second chance. And when Peter took his second chance, he was then able to turn around and encourage the rest of the disciples, right? God gave him that assignment, feed my sheep. Our assignment is to encourage one another, even when we fall away, because some people do. And some people come back. And when they come back, it's amazing. God doesn't say, because I always thought, you know, oh, I got to start all over again from the beginning. No. God takes you where you fell off the road, and he puts you back on the road. And I always picture this. He pats you on the head, gives you a little pat on the butt, and says, now go. He doesn't, he doesn't scold. He doesn't hold it against you. You know, he just says, now go. Continue. I love that about God. Um, I just want to make sure I covered everything I wanted to cover. Um, yes. So how about you? What are, if you take anything away from this, take the wonder of that scene in the court of heaven with you and ponder it for a while. What is the court of heaven saying about me? I, I still, I think about that and I think about it and I think about it and I think about it. And I, I try to imagine the scene. Is it like a dinner table and they're all sitting around or is it like um, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, you know, and they're, they're all sitting around? Whatever that looks like, it's, it blows my mind. And they're talking about you. And they're talking about me. So, it's... Um, said all I can say. But I want you to know that God is always good. That was the whole point. And because of Jesus, we get second chances. And you know the end of Job, right? It says, 
after all of that, right? He said, Job said, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. I take back everything I said and I sit in just dust and ashes to show my repentance. So after the Lord finished speaking to Job, he had him bless all of his friends and pray for all of his friends because his friends were like, you must have done something wrong, right? Which we know he didn't. But the very end of Job, it says in verse 10, 11, then all of his, no, I'm going to start at verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all of his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all his trials. Where were they when he was going through it? Um, and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. And he lived 140 years after all of that, and he saw four generations of his children and grandchildren. And he died an old man who lived a long, full life. Amazing. All because Job made a choice. And his choice was to worship the Lord in the midst of the trial. So my challenge for you is in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your hardness, the hard things that you're going through, worship. Because that last song, right? Our worship is our weapon. It's the sound that brings Jericho down. So if anybody needs prayer, we're here to pray for you. Um, I want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us and always knowing what's going on in our lives and for not being surprised and for trusting us not to turn away from you when trouble comes, but to draw us deeper and closer to you. That you cover us with your presence and you're always near. Help us to know and see and be aware of the schemes and the tactics of the enemy so that when the time of testing comes, we know not, maybe not the answer, but the one who is the answer. In Jesus' name. Amen.